What's going on, people? We're back, and oh man, I'm excited to go with this episode. I really have a preamble plan because I, I, I usually do. I think I had somewhat of a joke about like me not wearing planned. the right shirt. Okay, well, good. Well, you can do that after my spiel. I was just saying that like I wore the wrong shirt for the occasion because I was supposed to wear the Marvel shirt, and I ended up wearing the Jurassic Park shirt, and I didn't feel like changing. I mean, honestly, I think if you wore the Marvel shirt, it would take away from how these superheroes in one season are a thousand times better than any of the Marvel superheroes we've yeah. gotten over the past okay. 12 years. Here's so. the thing. Here's the thing. That's a, that's a very, very <laughs> relative term. Better... I wouldn't say more unique and developed and certainly more interesting on right, a real that world means basis. Better. Just so you know, yeah, in my no, language, no, that doesn't. means better. No, okay, fine. Well, you, unique, you need to have more a, developed, interesting. That I mean, what else okay, do you want? Fine. Why do you, you want you need things? To, you need to you need to maybe then develop like a Chris dictionary as far as the rest of the world goes because that is I, not at all like say what you will about the Marvel like characters. Sense. I mean, if I something do think is they're marketed, interesting characters. Listen, I hear what you're saying, but I feel like it's common sense. You know, if something is described as more interesting and unique, great. That's that's obviously better than something that's not as interesting and not as unique, right? I just don't want to discount it based... I don't want to discount them, though, <laughs> based on the fact that we are so used to them because we are spoiled millennials who have spoiled Gen Zers. I gotta keep correcting myself there because we're not millennials. We were born after 90... We were, well, you weren't. I was born after 95. Me, yeah, pretty much. But the point being is that we are spoiled millennials slash Gen Zers who have become oversaturated by content, but I'm not gonna let that spoil my enjoyment of those very interesting characters. But those are not the superheroes that we're here to talk about today, Chris. No. Uh, Daddy's home. That's, yeah, and he's back that, wait, that, with the wait, vengeance. That, that, that's all, that's so that, all you that's had to say there. To talk about. That's the only joke that you had to lead this off with. Daddy's home. All right, all right. Dude, I mean, wait, I mean, wait, 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 wait to throw in a subtle back. jab at how I met. Your, wait, wait to throw in a subtle jab at how I met your mother too while you were doing this. But it's funny because you know, who, who, I'm guessing that you're referring to probably <laughs> your favorite character on the show and from the comic. If I had to guess, but for me, I didn't necessarily like this guy the, that much the first time around, and I'm starting to realize more and more that he's not my favorite character. But with being said welcome back people to the talking tv podcast i'm dom the movie nerd that's chris the tv nerd and chris we've got a very special episode for these guys today we do and you know i would never assume anything dom butcher is one of my favorite characters okay but, he but he's not, not your favorite, favorite character. character okay that's so if interesting. you want to actually know what i think let's have a serious discussion and not assume anything because this show is something I am very passionate about. Not only because it is more oh interesting boy. and more unique than anything I've spent I've spent the past twelve years spending money on in theaters, but that in one season and three episodes have I had an arc that rivals what two two to three phases have you know tried to portray. I just it blows oh my mind. How Chris is letting his Chris is letting his larger than life than the big screen big screen. Chris man. is letting his anti Marvel troll troll phase out. People people <laughs> just get ready for me to get caught off every other second this time. I, I swear I'm, I am not trolling. I just I just refer to that collective side. People, this is a harken back to one of our first ever episodes that we did on this podcast. Of course, because we got to indulge ourselves before we indulge this property that everyone else has up to this point. Yes, People, we, we were waiting for it. We didn't know if we were going to get it back because of COVID. But I found out. I did my due diligence. I did my research. I found out that, of course... The boys, thank God, finished production on season two before COVID came in and shut down movies and TV. Not forever, apparently, as thank it is, God. because I actually was able to go to a theater and see Tenet. And people, this past Friday, September 4th, we got it. The boys, season two, are back in town, to say the least. That's the obvious joke that I'm going to go for there. They released their first three episodes directly on Amazon Prime this past Friday. And mm -hmm. like you said, Chris, in just three episodes, 
there is a lot to talk about as far as how this goes. Like, where the boys left off, where they are now, what they're looking to tackle this season, whether the superheroes have any chance of redemption, because I'd argue that as unlikable as they were the first time around, they're even more unlikable now. There's some new faces, there's some familiar faces, some performances I think are getting better. There's a lot to break down as far as these first three episodes go. 110%, man. So I guess all I have to ask you right now is... Where yeah. do we begin? Oh man, I it's tough, man. I really did like it's amazing. Like, I don't think I've had this situation happen to me before where I've watched I watched the first three couple episodes of a show and I'm like, I need a break. Like, I thought it was when I saw those three episodes get released, the whole thing was is that I wanted to finish season two of Better Call Saul first and get that episode out of the way before I started with, with the, these three episodes. And I thought it was going to be a nice quick binge. You know, I was in my wine store on Friday. I was chilling. I was having a good Friday. I was like, you know what? Now, I'm like, I, I got to amp myself up for it. I'm like, I've been waiting a year for these goddamn megalomaniacs to get back to Amazon. Like, I, I was bracing myself. I'm like, this is going to be a nice quick binge. I binged the first season relatively quickly. And... I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the fact that the first season was released all at once as opposed to this season, which is getting released progressively. Or I don't know if it's just the sheer amount of ridiculousness that they squeezed into just three episodes that I was like, after I was done watching that, first off, it took me way longer to finish than I thought it would. Like, those episodes were an hour, and they felt like an hour this time. But also, I was just like, I need a mental break after these episodes are done. Like, there was so much to unpack. Like, I, I guess to start off, for lack of a better word, I mean, I'll be the first to icebreak this. To me, these three episodes are already better than the entire first season that I saw. I don't know. I don't know if you could agree, but I can, and it's wild because the whole first season was incredible. Go check our review on it. I mean, it was one of the first things we yeah. did in the show, and it was like one yeah. of the first super overly positive reviews of a show. Like we were, we were hard pressed to find something negative to say the first time around. I, yeah. I mean. And, and then they just stepped it up in a way that I never thought would be possible. And you know what's interesting about it to me? The fact that I, I don't know why they chose to put these three episodes out, but goddamn do I feel they needed to come out together. Because it yeah. felt like such a complete almost season in a sense it was so airtight the, the whole but now we're getting more and i'm just so curious as to like how they elaborate on this but also how they knew that these first three episodes were so perfectly interwoven together that they had to come out at the same time because talk about a hook to then get me to watch each week week to week which is tough to do in the age of streaming and you know on-demand video where you you get something instantly and you watch it when you want it how fast you want to watch it or how slow you want to watch it but not only just to jab this hook right into like, you know, the back of my neck, like I'm a guppy on like a, a fishing rod right now. Like I, I, I still feel fulfilled though. And that's why I bit the hook in the first place. Like I, it's just so crazy to me, man. Like I, this is, I hope it keeps up because if it doesn't, then I'm going to be very let down because the bar is set. It's like off screen high. That's how high yeah, the bar is. It's, it's ridiculously high. And again, it's funny because we mentioned, we, we've talked about this a lot, obviously, with sequels, specifically now with shows, because shows are basically movies at this point, well, with how fast they come with streaming, you know, where it's funny because the whole thing is I remember a couple of criticisms coming out after the first season, specifically with the Red Letter Media review, because Red Letter Media, the boys, I remember when they reviewed it, that was like one of the first superhero properties that they not only gave a positive review to, but like actually actively enjoyed. You know those guys. Those guys hate everything. Like everything. Everything. So mm -hmm. the fact that they gave up not only a positive review to it, but were like actually actively enthralled by it and enjoying it. 
it, it, it left me a little bit worried because they were because they ended it and they were like, it, it, we were so invested in it that we forgot it was a movie and then it ends on that cliffhanger and you're like, oh man, how are they going to top it? And they almost didn't want it to, to get another season. It's like the Stranger Things syndrome originally, you know, where Stranger Things, we saw where that went as far as the sequel, the seasons go. In my opinion, it almost might might as well have been better off with just one season. But with this, if these three episodes have showed anything, it's that the boys is not a one-trick pony at all. They clearly had a lot more up their sleeve that they were planning. They've got a lot more interesting directions that they're going to take these characters in. And as, as, as like I said, there, I have so many notes written down, it's hard to keep track of. But if there's one thing that I will say, it's that the ridiculousness is just getting started. And what's funny, too, is you mentioned that the first season was already good enough. I, as you know was I very much enjoyed the first season. I think it was one of the best things to come out last year, but I did still ha have some slight problems with it. I didn't think it was a perfect season. That's why it ranked relatively much lower on my top 10 TV shows of last year. But this season, though, it seems to be pulling a succession season, too, and that all of my micro problems that I had with the first season are now being solved with this season, you know? Or at least I'm hoping as time goes on. Dude, yeah, I mean... it. To, just to like manage the amount of characters we have while introducing new characters, but giving all of them just, you know, story beats that push them forward in a meaningful and interesting way, not just because, oh, well, damn, like we kind of forgot to write something for Frenchie, so I guess he can just, you know, mull it along with the boys this year, or we forgot to like, you know, write an interesting arc for Mother's Milk this season, so, but it's okay because he's in the gang, so he can kind of coast by not having anything interesting. No. Every single character, whether it be an old an old cast member or a new addition, has something interesting. Whether you like it or not, you do have to respect the fact that every single character has been pushing a facet of the arc forward in their own unique way. And it's actually incredible to see them manage, even from the smaller characters like, you know, Becca and her son, to the bigger characters like Homelander and, you know, Butcher himself. Like, how everyone is being written and 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 being pushed forward through the storyline in a meaningful way it's it's brilliant to me it's like the writing See? so far has been the standout oh. part of this this oh. show to me Man, I, I was hoping to continue on this nerding out train for at least another 20 minutes, but you had to bring up two of my slight problems already. But that's okay. I'll get into those later when I get into my slight, slight problems. Because again, unfortunately, I, I am the critic here, so I do have to be slightly objective. I still don't think they've given Frenchie or Mother's Milk anything actually interesting to do. But again, only three episodes. So we'll have yet to see where they go. But it's funny because I actually wanted to dive back more so into, again, just the idea of this being a sequel for lack of a better word, I mean, that's what it is. It's the second season. It's a sophomore effort. How many sophomore efforts do we see from TV shows just in general that don't hit the landing, that don't, um, what's it called, that don't necessarily match up to the first season? You know, it's, it's funny. It's exactly what Double Toast was saying. The first season, it always has the surprise factor, you know, the, the, the it factor, you know? And the second season, it yeah. always has to overcome that, you know? And so for this, the, you know, some recent examples that we can think of, I know for you, Cobra Kai season two, Stranger Things season two. Um, I don't think there was anything recently for mm -hmm. me. I think Umbrella Academy was the one exception because I like season two better than season one. But with this show, just with these first three episodes, it automatically showed that it was just more daring, I guess, than the first season. And it, it, it dives into a lot of things that I had written down just after these first three episodes, which is that it actually, unlike a lot of other seasons, it's a trick that I see. It's funny. I always attribute this to movies, but now again, because TV is basically movies, like the two are basically interchangeable at this point. I got to apply this to TV as well, which is that, um, what's it called? This sequel 
is actually doing what most sequels should do right, which is that it actually seems interested in continuing the story and the arcs of the characters in new and different and unique ways. You know, like the whole thing, like if I could just do a specific example to back that up, is that the whole thing that they were doing with the deep at the end of the first season, you, you were kind of left wondering because the deep was pretty removed from the action by the time the last season ended. And you're like, where, where are they going with this character? Like, is this going to actually do anything or is this just going to be another joke? And I think so far that if they do it wrong this season, how they wrap up his arc this season, then it's that I'm definitely going to be a little bit pissed because that seems like they're jerking us along. But if they do it right as a good payoff to what they've been doing so far with him, oh man, I I cannot wait because I'm not going to lie. Like, like the deep is very much like the B story, like kind of just like filler character. But what they're doing with him is so kind of awesome and so unexpected for how they set him up as a character. I actually really, really like it. Yeah, I mean, you know, he kind of was just used as the, um, uh, you know, tool to sort of, you know, make room for a new addition into the seven, but they still kept him around. They still kept him interesting. I mean, they had him sort of explore the, the psychological effects of a fall from grace of a superhero, which is something that, like, I don't know, I haven't seen ever done in this way. Uh, not saying I've seen everything in the superhero genre, but to me, that was interesting and that was unique. And it's... You, you know, like he, his journey is so human and is so just normal and relatable that the fact that he, you know, has gills and the fact that eventually Patton Oswald plays his gills and speaks to him on a mushroom trip, which is so hilarious and so insane. And, and to what you're saying, risky and, and just, you know, baffling and new, oh, but it man. still has implications of humanity and it still has actual, you know, a purpose and a reason why it happens and it progresses his character forward, which oh. I think is what I'm saying. Even these B characters, these B storylines still do so much to enrich your viewing experience and only in even, three episodes. E even the, that, that episode was amazing in and of itself because I saw that I saw Pat Oswalt on the IMDb list and I'm like, Oh <laughs> yes. How are they going to use him? And I didn't actually see him credited, but then when I heard those gills start talking on the mushroom trip, I'm like, no friggin' way. Yeah. Let's go. But don't, Further, your point about the deep. What was what was interesting to me about him and what they end up doing with him is he was introduced as like the first member of the seven that Starlight in is introduced to, and he's kind of like used. It's interesting because the whole A Train Robin thing from the first season is kind of your first, your breaking part. That's kind of like the eggshell, like the frying pan being smacked in your face. Like, yeah, these are what the soups are really capable of. But what's interesting is that the deep was kind of like the other side of that coin where now you're seeing that from the insider perspective. And I liked how the deep was basically their way to examine like the whole Me Too thing, which was unbelievable in and of itself. And for them to go one step further and like show potentially the redemption of a me tour which the fact that a tv show is even daring to try and do that is amazing you know i guess that's kind of like where my worry might come from though because i'm worried that i mean don't get me wrong the boys is show that it unabashedly like gives no f's when it comes to like that type of criticism but i'm worried that if they do try to redeem him as far as that goes that it's going to attract the far leftist cancel culture crowd and be like oh why are you trying to redeem you know uh redeem you know a, a serial rapist you know it's like why are you trying to do that so it, it's interesting and it's very tricky because i i like what they're doing and i think it's really really funny what they've done with him how they're very clearly playing a very good balancing act between redeeming this guy but also making him like the butt of every joke that they can possible like it's a really good balance i think and that's just the one character you know we haven't even gotten into any of the other main characters yet 
Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting observation, and I didn't even think about it that way. But you know, it, it does make sense for for that sort of uh, comparison to be drawn. The one thing I think about it is, though, it, it sort of makes me feel like you you know the deep as terrible of a person as he was, you know, he still did a lot of good. So I think that they're making you ask questions that are difficult with this show in multiple areas of it. And so whether it's right or wrong that he gets his redemption, whether he deserves his redemption, I personally think that's uh, left on the, as of now, we've only had three episodes of the season. It's left on the audience to decide, but I think it's more so there for you to like have the kind of conversations we're having right now about it and, and ask, you know, serious questions within the chaos, within the humor of the, of it all. Kind of like what I was trying to say about like, you know, and, 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 you know, another layer of the deep when he, the gills are literally talking to him on the mushroom trip, he's actually benefiting from that though. He's actually having a self realization, a self journey where he's comes out of it as we, as we grow to see spoiler alert, very positively, it's sort of like a changed man who, while the others in the group, and when he meets up with the seven later on, they don't quite believe him. He he is trying to show that he's changed, but it's like, should yeah. you be happy that he changed because of what you brought up? So while this show has all this lunacy going on, it still has these human qualities that can't help but make you feel for these characters. It's insane to me. It's it's it, brilliant to it, me. It, honestly. It's to me in three it's episodes. The th- it's the thing they're doing. It's all the this. thing that made. It's the thing that made the boys the boys, you know, which is that being able to strike this really interesting contrast between having these very, very real world pressing issues. Like I said, the th- the biggest thing that I said on our episode covering season one is that with just two of their superheroes of the seven, they're tackling drug addic- drug addiction and the pressures of constantly being the best or you will be replaced like kind of, which is a very real world struggle that most real world athletes face. And then the idea of can these me tours be redeemed in any way? And that's before we even gotten into it, because like I said, compared to, like I said, as, as heinous as A-Train and the Deep were in that first season, they're still slim pickings compared to compared to the big head honcho with the seven who we haven't even get, gotten into, who now has a lot, of course, going on beca- more even more this season. But I'm getting tripped up on my words because there's so much to talk about. I don't even know if we're going to be able to get it in this hour, but let's get to it. <laughs> big, big Blue himself, for yeah. lack of a better word. Big Psycho Blue, I'm going to call him, in order to differentiate him from Superman because this guy is anything Psycho but Superman. Psycho Blue, I like that. Pretty much like Homelander. My, the, the, to me, the best character that this show came up with. Arguably, the be- I would say... it. it it's tricky because the, the show premiered last year, but I think that it's going to have a majority of its run this decade. So I would say already possibly the best character, new character of the decade. And to me, the next step is for the anti-hero train goes both him and Butcher technically, but I think he's way more interesting than Butcher, at least for right now. But Homelander this season, last time we saw this guy, he was burning two holes through Elizabeth Shue's skull. But right before Butcher blew up that house. But as we saw, one of the biggest unsolved mysteries from the end of last season was solved, which is that Madeline still was baby, is still alive, and well. You're, I was about to say, so all the people who are still freaking out as to what happened to that baby, you can calm down. But we saw Butcher was horrifically, had a very rude awakening when Homelander revealed that his wife, Becca, was alive and well, and also the mother of Homelander's son, we see how, and we see kind of Homelander, for lack of a better word, trying to act like a very weird, twisted version of Superman if he were a dad. And now, without Stillwell to control him, he's trying to pull even more punches. You feel like there's that little bit of empathy that you had for him in that first season is just completely gone. But the good thing is that 
as even more heinous as this guy is this season, he's still got a couple of obstacles to overcome, you know? And we'll get into that in a bit. But I just wanted to tackle into this idea real quick because what's interesting to me is that even though I think that with certain of the heroes with this season, they're settling them into their paths, you know? Some of them are... are it looks like maybe moving towards a redemption. Others of them, they're just going further and further down that train of insanity and just heinousness. And again, it's funny because the whole kind of inherent problem that I'm going to say when it comes to these sorts of things is that there's only so far you can take an unlikable character before it makes the show not wanted to be watchable, you know? Because as, as far as I'm concerned, a show can have as many great themes as you want, but if you don't like any of the characters, then it's not worth watching. And what the show has done very well so far is it's done a very good job of towing the line where these characters are, for the most part, all assholes. There's like, I think, two likable characters on this entire show, you know? And even they have certain qualities that you don't necessarily like about them. But every one of these characters also has yeah. something that you can empathize with, you know, whether it be Homelander, you know, raised in a lab without any parents, you know, or Butcher, the fact that his entire, that his wife and his basically any semblance of a normal life was stripped of him by these superheroes, or The Deep, who, as you find out this season with the whole Compound V revelation, that he... Um, what's it called? He, he started hearing animals when he was nine years old. This, the sea creatures talked to him and they were just crying out in pain and miserable and it really, really disturbed it when he was a little kid. Or A-Train, who growing up came from poverty. So as despicable as he is, at right. the very least you can kind of understand where he's coming from because he's constantly trying to give, you know, find something better than what he grew up with. So each and every one of these heroes, for lack of a better word, has some something that allows you to empathize with. But my question for you is, do you think we're going to get to a point with some of them where some of them are going to have a redemption, some of them are just going to become completely heinous and have no amount of empathy for them left at the end? You know, like, what, what, what's kind of your thought on there? Because I just dropped, like, a lot of stuff right there. Yeah, where do I think, the, like, the arc of the heroes is going this season? Yeah, just, like, in general. Because there's a lot of different heroes with a lot of different arcs. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, you know, so I do want to say that in the first season, I was very much so more invested into the boys themselves and less the soups. And it's interesting to see how this season I am more invested into the soups because I think, like you said, they've done a really good job of casually inserting the exposition. Of course, we got Starlight's origin all throughout the first season. But, but you know, we, we've gotten to know sort of the cloth that Homelander, uh, the Deep, A-Train, uh, you know, they're all cut from. And we've even seen a few emotional moments from, you know, Black Noir himself. And so it's, uh, it's interesting to see how their time management is so brilliant in my opinion because it's not that I am less invested in the boys it's just that now all of the other characters have sort of risen to the level that I was invested in with Huey with uh, you know with Frenchie with Mother's Milk last season because now those characters are more developed and it's they did a really good job of sort of giving you all the beats you needed from the boys to have that emotional quality with them this season uh, last season rather so now this season I'm kind of asking myself there's humanity on both sides now, whereas there was some with Starlight in the first season on the side of the soups, but now there's really true humanity and, and pain and, you know, um, passion to succeed on either side from both now, whether you, you know, want to back the twistedness of Homelander or sort of like, you know, the, the drive of Huey to succeed against all odds, even if it is putting his relationship with Starlight, you know, further down the can. So it's, 
again, the questions, I keep going back to the questions that they're making us ask ourselves while we're watching this, kind of like you brought up getting into the whole, you know, the deep and the, and the Me Too stuff. And so it's, to me, it's, it's brilliant. So where do I see these characters going? I, I don't know if I want to read too much into that because right now I'm, I'm sort of like just invested into what they're doing because they've done such a good job of just getting me wanting to watch them and wanting to see their growth and their development from both sides now, especially, you know, let's talk about some of the new characters they introduced for a second, Stormfront and um, uh, the Giancarlo Esposito character, I forget his name right now on the show. Stan Edgar. Those are both two characters that they literally just threw into the mix this season and I am invested in what they're doing. It's like every decision that is made in this show holds value because of how well-written all these characters are. So to, to ask me where I want to see them going, I think I'm a little too stunned by how brilliant what we're getting is and, and how naturally it seems to be unfolding, even though the stakes are higher. You know, but like, what do you think? Where do you want to see them yeah, well, going? You know, it's interesting what you brought up about the superheroes and the boys because, if, as for season one specifically, because my whole thing is I had the complete opposite reaction to you. For me, I was way more invested in the soups than the actual boys' characters themselves. Like I said, I, I wasn't the biggest fan of what they did with Frenchie and Mother's Milk, just kind of making them these one note, jokey side characters, for lack of a better word. Butcher, I felt like, I'm like, okay, I feel like this guy should be a lot more of an asshole than he is, you know? Like, I feel like right now he's a lot more likable. And Huey, my whole problem with Huey, I had a big problem with Huey for that first season because I was like, okay, he was miserable and pissed off and, like, actually wanted to do something against the soups because of what they did to Robin, and rightfully so, for two episodes. And then he kind of just becomes passive for the rest of the season. This season, though, it seems to be switched because this season, with the exception of The Deep, I would say, and a couple of the other, like, ancillary ones, I would say that they're that it seems that they're going out of their way to try and make the superheroes even more heinous, especially with the addition of Stormfront, you know? And it's funny because I kind of liked how they threw in the Giancarlo Esposito character where he basically is just, like, treats them like the three-year-old idiots that they are. He's just like, yeah, you all have the brain, the collective <laughs> brains of toddlers. Let the grown-ups handle this. I just love the way that he talked down to Homelander because you know that that was, a, that, that he has the card. You, you can tell that he's got the cards, especially that, so, so he, so Homelander still won't vaporize him just yet, you know, but obviously with the compound V revelation, we'll see how that ends up going. But, what I find interesting too about the about this season of the boys is that specifically with the, with the boys characters is that again with the exception of Frenchie and Mother's Milk because I still have to see more episodes but as of right now Frenchie is still doing the exact same thing that he was doing last season and Mother's Milk is still doing the exact same thing that he was doing last season so jury's still out for me on those two but as far as Huey and Butcher go I am one thousand percent invested in where they're going now because Huey finally after like six episodes of just dealing with Butcher shit finally seems to be growing a backbone. And, like, wanting to fight back against Butcher. And I think he's got a very, very justified reaction to Butcher when he shows up again out of nowhere after he completely left them for dead at the end of the first season. And, but, but the problem is that, A, he's got so much PTSD on him and it's finally starting to show because he's got blood on him in every other freaking episode. <laughs> this poor guy, they drove yeah. and impaled a freaking whale in the third yeah. episode. He's just sitting there inside a whale. I felt gun, bad for like, the whale because of how well they weave the web of like, you know, oh, the deep and, and every animal has stories like, and I stuff. I felt so like, bad for that whale. Yeah. And then, to jump over to, yeah, so that's with Huey, so I'm even more invested because it seems like that kid's going to reach a freaking breaking point at the end of this season that I don't know if there's going to be any coming back from. And then Butcher, 
to me, it's funny because when I saw I saw this in the trailer, and I hope that this was going to happen, and so far it seems to be proving it right, which is to me, Butcher is starting to finally evolve into the Butcher that he was in the comics, which is a guy who, as much as he claims to be on the side of the righteous, and as much as he claims to be on the right side, and he is by default, the only thing that's gearing him is his personal allegiances, and if it comes to him having to shoot one of his guys in the head in order to get to what he wants with Homelander, like you saw it at the end of last season, like he left them for dead and was willing to blow himself up just to just to kill this guy, you know? And he even shows it this season with Huey. Like, it's showing more and more unlikable. It's like, yeah, you are not coming between me and what I want. And that's a dangerous combination, especially when it shows, like, how unstable Butcher is. Like, my biggest problem with him in the first season is that I'm like, okay, it feels like they're telling us how insane this guy is without actually showing us, but now we're finally actually getting it because, case in point, he drove through a motherfucking whale just to, like, just cause. Like, he could have gone around it, like, easily. Like, right. but no, he drove right through it just cause you know i agree i do agree i think the growth of butcher still you know being a main cast member and, and all that is is very surprising and very interesting to me but i do have to disagree with you on uh the front of uh, frenchie because i think his relationship with kimiko has been further uh, elaborated on um and also i think kimiko's character as well we kind of got to see a lot of and so you know you know uh frenchie sort of I think it's it's clear to say he has feelings for Kimiko more than just friendship, but he understands that she needs time to heal and grow, and he's, he wants to be patient, and he wants to be there when she's ready. And uh, just like her, him having that moment with her brother where, you know, uh, he sort of, like, tries to get his blessing, and they, they exchange, and he lets him know that, like, look, I care about her too and all that type of stuff. So that's why I do have to disagree with you, because even though, you know, Mother's Milk, you know, messing with the dollhouse and sort of, like, making every decision around getting back to his daughter and his wife isn't as big as, let's say, like, Homelander sort of going up to Giancarlo Esposito's character and demanding full autonomy over the company, they still are progressing their storylines forward. And to me, that's part of the brilliance of this season. But, you know, let's, let's talk about Butcher a little bit, you know, because yeah. he, he kind of, yeah. like wasn't really there for the whole first episode of uh, of the season and then he shows up at the end with the great line daddy's home he comes storming down of course bodies fall down the steps in front of butcher as he makes his big return and and they have to tell the armed guards to stand down because they're they're leaders back you know and it's sort of a slight to huey so what's your sort of take about like butcher this season versus yui and and are you happy with sort of you know where they're going do you think it's a little played out because i can see it being a little cliche as well this sort of dynamic now where huey finally coming into his own gets stepped upon by their former leader but it doesn't bother me you know i'm well, okay for, i'm okay with it well like i like pretty much like exactly verbatim what i was saying before i li actually like where they're going i like that huey both it seems to be actually getting shell shocked but also like seems to finally be growing a pair and actually like stepping into his own and if anything butcher coming back in and just like kind of stepping all over him right when huey was finally starting to like like get fulfill that leadership position i think it's really interesting and i think it's the arc that needed to happen as far as the boy goes because it also plays into to me what i wanted to see happen from butcher which is the idea that butcher and homelander if you really think about it they are two different sides of the same coin you know that was the whole point part that was, to me, the brilliance of seeing that last scene between him and Homelander at the end of that first season is the fact that it shows that Butcher thinks that he's so bad, you know, until Homelander comes in and fries the person that he was going to use as a target and then turns it around on him. But then Butcher blows himself up regardless of the fact that there's a freaking baby in the house. You know, those two are opposite sides of the same coin. And I like 
what they're go what they're doing as far as showing that yeah butcher's really not that different from the soups you know and he's letting his drive to do what he wants overcome any sense of morality very little morality that he already had you know which, like I said, I think is not only an improvement over his character in season one, because season one, he still seemed to be kind of playing along those moral gray lines. But I think also it's going to allow for, to me, some of the more insane moments and also some of the more really deep, dark moments that need to happen as the show goes forward. Not just for this season, but for future seasons as well. You know, I could very easily see a situation where at the end of the season, all of the boys, not just Huey, like Butcher could find a way to screw over each and every single one of them. You know, like Butcher could get in the way of MMC and his wife and daughter again. That's a very easy thing to overcome, you know? Frenchie, like, he, Butcher already basically openly admitted to the right. fact that if Kamiko became a problem with her brother, he would drop her, no question, right. you know? Yep. So there was there was already that to deal with, you know? And as far as, real quick, if I could jump into Kamiko as well, I'm, like, I liked Kamiko a lot, but she was kind of falling into that type category of just being, like, the silent badass character that we've seen over and over again. And she had an interesting backstory, but even with her, I'm really happy with where they went this season as far as, you know, yeah. the arc with her brother and everything going on there and how that ended up being resolved in episode three gives her a whole new vision of Red as far as the rest of the season goes. So, I mean, yeah. You, you know, the brother could have easily have just been a plot device. You know, the terrorist they yeah. smuggled in and a reason to get from point A to point B, but then they go and they elaborate on him and they give him a voice and a personality and they give us that awesome moment between, you know, uh, the sister and the brother where, you know, she she's like, look, even he says, look, even though you're the big sister, like, this is what family does. Family looks out for each other. So I'm going to be here for you just as much as, as you're here for me. And like, we go on to see what happens to the brother, but yeah, I mean, it made it all the more impactful, and that's something they didn't have to do, and I think it's something that a lot of writing nowadays wouldn't have done, because I think it took a lot of work to create that emotional attachment to a character in three episodes that I would say rivaled someone who we saw most of last season being Kimiko. Like, their relationship was so strong, and if you think about it, those are some of the characters that we've sort of had the least amount of screen time on they've always been more so the b if not c storylines and so it's just another testament to the brilliance of uh of this first season in my opinion having all these characters and, and correct me if this isn't the right term but be more than linchpins you know sort of like push push the plot forward in like a meaningful way which really impresses me I yeah, hate to just now, be the one who's just like you know kissing kissing this show up the whole time. But no, you get it. you're you're enti you know? you're entitled to it. You know, it's 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 your favorite show. We kind of did the same thing with Cobra Kai, but I mean, <laughs> different kind of scenario yeah, there. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, no, that that's fine. You 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 gush about the stuff that you love, and I come in and, and crack the eggs over your face and see like, okay, but remember, we're right. critics here still. You can't just kiss kiss up to it. But now, if we're if we're getting into the one part, well, I will absolutely not argue with you on anything on because as despicable as we thought Homelander was. This new girl that they have, oh man, Let, let's get into it. The brand new character introduced, the newest member of the Seven, and as it turns out now, the most despicable member of the Seven, easily, Stormfront, portrayed brilliantly and with, by Aya Cash. Only three episodes, and I already have her in for my for my uh, Talking TV nominations for this coming year. She wow. gave that impressive a performance for me. Anthony Starr is, of course, in because he's, once again, the best part about of the course. show. But, like, when this girl first comes in, I, 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 I want to hear your thoughts first before I get into mine. So, what, like, the minute that this girl comes in, you know, with, like, the tweeting, the live tweeting, showing the behind the scenes of everything, she seems to be, like, this anti vaughter you know, like, kind of rebel cog in the machine. And you don't really know where her allegiance is going to be, you know? So what were your thoughts on that first before we specifically go into what she turns out to be? Yeah, so I kind of got to tackle this from two different perspectives. The first one's relatively quick, but I think it's important to start with. I love how this show sort of uses like 
data in regards to like social media tactics to sort of talk about how like, hey, look, our heroes are out there doing good, but our heroes are very much so our heroes and they are a product. And so, you know, let's not forget that having another girl in the group in 2020 is going to do great for the stock numbers. And, you know, she's a very millennial type girl. And then so I love that, you know, that's sort of how it happens. And she's live streaming and they show the likes going up. I watch that in the top corner. It goes from 600 million. And then Homelander comes on screen and it jumps up to 1.3 million. And it's, I mean, uh, you know, sorry, 600,000. Then it jumps up. And I think it's so the attention to detail of this show is brilliant to me, first of all. But I think it's a clever way how they deceived us about who this character was at first. They made it seem like she was all about the numbers, all about the social media, all about the fashion statement of being a superhero. And, you know, yeah, she was obviously a superhero, so she does good, but was it for the attention or was it for the actual love, like Starlight, who actually loves going out there and doing the right thing, whether or not she gets in trouble for it, you know, if you want a good example of that reference to when she beat up the two almost rapists in the first season. But you quickly realize that, no, this is a very complex character. And... Even when Starlight tries to applaud her for saying the things that Starlight wishes she could have said, she's just like, well, you should have said it. And I don't really have time to play these sort of games. You know, she she's very uniquely herself, which is why I can't hate her. But she is, I think, a horrible person as the show yes. twists and turns her. And we only have had three episodes. This is going to be a longer season. I mean, we still have another five weeks, another five weeks, the way they're stretching it out to sort of, well, get to, yeah, yeah, of yeah. to get to know her and get to see where she goes. And I already feel like we've had four, five, six, seven twists and turns already. So, Dom, what do you yeah. think about this character? Well, man? it's funny that you <laughs> mentioned that because, as you know, I have this one friend who shall remain nameless for now, but I have this one friend who, to me, has been a lifelong confidant as far as interesting movies go. And the funny thing is that Friday morning, when I was in the store and I was about to start my binge, he texted me. I was like, I was like, have you watched the episodes yet? I'm like, no, I haven't gotten to them yet. He's like, all right, let me know when you finish them. I have a theory that I want to run past you. I'm like, okay. And it took me a while. Like I said, it was a busy day in the store. Customers coming in and out. The episodes took a lot longer to get through than I thought they would. So I was like, okay, all right. I don't know where this chick is going, but I like her at first. You know, I like I I think this is the first big thing that I'd seen Aya Cash in. I didn't watch that show, You're the Worst that she's in. She'd only had a couple of bit parts in TV shows and movies, so bit that I would have to go back and like specifically look at her face in order to see her. I know she cameoed in a couple of different TV shows that we know. She was uh Jordan Belfort's secretary in the Wolf of Wall Street. But this really was like my first impression of her. And she knocked it out of the park as far as acting goes. But I don't know if you noticed, but do you remember when they were to when when Butcher was talking with the CIA lady? And he was, and and she asked him, "Hey, have you ever heard of a hero of a hero called Liberty?" Yeah, yeah, I, I've heard the yeah. rumors that are circulating online. Yeah. So, what do you know well, about all this? Stuff? I'm about to bust down a big conspiracy theory that I think could be true, which is I did some digging as far as the comic book origins go. Yeah, I'm about to be that guy, <laughs> and I found out that the that the comics version of this character was a male. What's it called? They obviously gender swapped her for the purpose of the show, but. As you heard, Giancarlo Esposito giving that little spiel to Homelander about the origin of Vought and how the founder of Vought was actually a Nazi scientist who ended up conspiring and switching over to the to the Reds. And he actually invented in one of the first ever superheroes with Soldier Boy, who was announced to be being played by Jensen Ackles from Supernatural for the next season. And let's just say that my friend may have said, yeah, Stormfront, besides not being who she says she is, she's actually a... Um, what's it called? A former Nazi superhero slash supervillain, which is this Liberty character who was a secret Nazi experiment, similar, basically think of it as like a Nazi version of Captain America, basically. Right. <laughs> and I don't remember exactly how it goes, but I think that he, she was frozen when 
Vought switched to the switched to the Allied powers, and now has been thought out, and it all makes sense the way I was thinking about it. It, like I said, when my friend told me about it, it all added up. I'm like, oh, it totally makes sense how this chick seems to come out of nowhere. You know, and Giancarlo Esposito doesn't say anything to Homelander other than the fact that you are not in charge here. We're the ones that are in charge right before he gives the whole spiel about Vaught. Not to mention the fact that this girl's cracking a whole bunch of references to like Pippi Longstocking, which is weird, like really, really weird, you know, but this was the coup de grace, obviously, basically the confirmation of this whole theory. And again, spoilers here, which again. The episodes are up on Amazon, so if you guys haven't watched yet, like, go what watch are you them. doing? Go watch them. It's really not that difficult. Yes, you, you, you have no excuse. You have no excuse if you watch a million hours of Stranger Things on Netflix, yeah. but you don't watch these three episodes. But when she fights with Kimiko and her brother at the end of episode three, and quite brutally, like, brutally, you thought Homelander was bad, but quite brutally just rips through an entire apartment complex to try and get to these two, freaking murders multiple civilians, like, with no qualms at all. Like, it's funny because, like, She's in that apartment with, uh, uh, again, like, like that family. She cracks the dad in the face and kills him by slamming him against the wall. And I also love how it did that thing where it cut to outside when it so that it didn't show her nuking the kids, which, oh my God, that was already problematic enough. And then when she kills the brother, she, she says a slur that I will not dare repeat on this podcast for fear of getting canceled. But it basically was a confirmation of like, wait, did she just actually say that? And that was like, okay, yeah, this girl's a Nazi. Like, no question. Uh, so, sorry if I spoiled it for everyone here. Obviously, yeah. check back in in five weeks with my with our boys season two finale in order to see if I'm right. But yeah, I was like, wow. Like, there there are no words. Chris, take it from here. Listen, I would normally, as much as I do enjoy conspiracy theories to unwind from a long work day, I would never bring them to our show if there wasn't credible reasons to bring it up. And I just think that's more of a testament to pay attention to the small details in this show. Because they're weaving webs that I think are going to be brilliant and the payoff's going to be there. I mean, that payoff was already there from this mini arc that we got in these first three episodes. And yeah, man, I don't think it would be too far-fetched to have it turn out to be that she is this former Nazi superhero villain, depending on how you look at it. And uh, I think it'd be brilliant. I I really do. Yeah, it would be awesome. It would. I mean, it'd be despicable because you because it again that this factors into another problem. But again, only the boys can pull this off, which is the fact that one of the brand new characters who I was very much like like wanted to see is a Nazi. That's right. asking a whole lot of questions that I'm not sure I'm ready to get into no. quite yet. But oh man, and let me but just I, clarify I, I, because I did use the word brilliant, brilliant in the sense of brilliant writing. You know, it would yes, be a twist I yes. would never have expected. So all you idiots who want to take sound bites out there. Get the full context first, okay? Seriously. Anyways, full context is key here. Yeah, man. And, uh, dude, I feel like there should have been a disclaimer for this season. I know we're getting close to wrapping it up, but is it just me, or does it feel like the Gornob was turned up to the max? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. It was really it, pretty high in the first season. Yeah, right, but it's funny because the Gore in the first season didn't bother me that much. I, I think the dolphin getting chucked out the window and run over was a little excessive. Yeah, that was and, a I thought they were, and I thought they were enjoying a little bit too much how much they were torturing the deep by constantly killing all of those sea mammals like with the lobster in the, in the, in the store. I was like, oh, that just killed me because I remember being that little kid that would love looking at those lobsters in the store in the oh, tank. Man. But, oh my God, like... 
freaking already starting off with the Jennifer Esposito character, just her head randomly blowing up. But at the very least, it looks like they were going to answer that question. But obviously, the biggest question that I wanted to leave off with, like, there's so, like, that's the thing also is that as much as these three episodes did almost tell a story in and of itself, there is still a lot of unanswered questions that I'm hoping the show gets to. There is still a lot of awesome character stuff that they're going to get into, you know, obviously a lot of revelation because the other biggest thing other than the Stormfront character is the whole situation with Becca and her son because it still feels like there's a whole different sub-arc that we're missing that they're not telling us specifically about Homelander, you know, and kind of the reason why she did it with him in the first place, you know, like there's just, there's a lot that they're not telling us that I'm very much looking forward to that I hope they do tell us because that, right. that cliffhanger was already a gangbusters enough revelation at the end of the first season. For them to not immediately tell us at the beginning of the first se- at the first episode was smart, but I think it's going to become very annoying very quickly if they don't tell us like what it is that's missing as far as the information goes. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think they have to answer that this season. I think that they've done a good job of sort of saving that towards the end and, and making it more juicy, in a sense, with getting to see Homelander in the home, you know, trying to act like a father, but also sort of like imprisoning, you know, Becca inside of her own house and... They're both trying not to alarm the kid. Well, Homelander doesn't care. Becca's trying not to alarm yeah. the kid of her her feelings. And I think it's just going to make it more rich and more juicy, similar to like earlier when I said how they, you know, gave us some of uh, Kimiko's brother's personality, some of who he was before they killed him off. I think it enhanced and made his death more impactful. It made it more of an enriching experience. The moments we had with him, the moments that they brought to the character of Kimiko and their exchanges, getting a little bit of their backstory through a very like passionate moment between family. So I, I I trust them at this point. I guess I can sort of answer your earlier question now of like where do I I sort of see this go or, or hopefully see this go? And, and I, I I think in in Seth Rogen right now I trust you know because I've seen a lot of his TV shows and Future Man isn't the best and there's a few others that aren't the best unfortunately. But I think this one he's doing right. You know I, you can just tell that. The decisions they're making that are different from the comic just enhance the visual experience and they enhance the television show and, and, and they have to be different for the web that Rogan's weaving based off the source material but in his own twisted, crazy way. I mean, I really do get sort of like sausage party vibes when all those animals are being tortured in front of uh, the deep and Seth's like twisted sense of humor. I trust it. I trust everything that's happening right now. The only negatives I have right now would be the gore factor. I think sometimes it does take away, and that's why I brought it up, I think sometimes it does sort of take away from the, uh, the dramatic implications of the moment. You know, it doesn't always have to be a crazy gory explosion, but hey, it's the voice of the show, you know? I'm not, I'm not yep, creating it. I'm just it watching it. Yeah. And that's absolutely. a nitpick at uh, best, Dom. Yeah, no, I... I Again, like the, I think the only negative that I have to say is like just I felt mentally exhausted, and I just have to say I'm really <laughs> glad that they're doing this one a week. Because yeah. if I had to binge five more episodes of this show back to, I don't know if I could do no. it. I think my mind would implode just with all of the stuff going on. But before we get out of here, because again, we, we had a lot to talk about, but there are just a few things that I had left you. I had like a rapid fire question round for you that I wanted to get your take on. So okay. the first question is: Giancarlo Esposito was once again playing a Gus Fring s character. Is Giancarlo Esposito capable of playing anybody other? than Gus Fring at this point because he's pretty much doing the same thing because he voices Lex Luthor in the Harley Quinn show and he pretty much does the same thing there he's Gus Fring again on Better Call Saul has been for the last couple of seasons like is this guy capable he's basically Gus Fring in the Mandalorian (laughs) too just you know in the Mandalorian is this guy capable of giving a different performance at this point or is it just Gus Fring for life now 
If he is, I haven't seen it, but I think, you know, typecast guys have their their place and I think he fits he fits into this. So, yeah, to say the least. My second question for you is as, as you know, we had one casualty from the main cast last season with Madeline Stillwell. I think that if they go this entire season and they don't kill off at least one of these characters, I think it's going to be a big detriment. So if you have to pick one character who you think will die this season, who do you think is going to be? From the, both the boys or the soups? Yeah, I think um, I think the deep, the only way to truly redeem himself is to sort of sacrifice himself in a situation that truly shows that like he is trying to atone for his sins. And so... I, I kind of had a feeling that he was going to die based off the spiritual journey he was in. I wasn't it was a little conspiracy ridden, but since we went there earlier, if it happens, I'll be surprised because this show I, th- I think is kind of hard to guess at in my opinion, but I, if there was anyone to die, I think the deep. It all signs are pointing towards the deep, so. Yeah. My my take is yes, I agree with you 100% on the deep, but I'm also saying Stormfront only because I think that if they go the direction with this character that I think they're going to, I think that for them to keep her alive at the end of the season, it both doesn't make sense logically for the show because, let's face it, she's Homelander 2.0 but worse, and in my mind, there cannot be two Homelanders on the 7. There just can't be. It just doesn't work that way, so I think that will implode somehow, but also just because of what her character represents. And, like, they're not going to want to stick around with that character, you know? I can see them sneaking her into and keeping her around, but, like, keeping her as, like, a background recurring role but as far as being a main cast member I don't see her lasting more than this season and uh, I do agree with you on the deep though and then my last question is just from these first three episodes you know who is your favorite character who is my favorite character just based off of these three episodes alone take all of season one out of it just based on these three episodes alone yeah I mean I'm torn okay so I'm torn between either um Homelander or the deep because I really enjoy this redemption story arc. I think it it just pays so much to what we saw of him in the first season. But I think Homelander's really come into his own in these first three episodes as you know, we, we laid the groundwork for the company last season. We laid the groundwork for the soups and how they operate and like we spoke about the social media marketing aspect and all that stuff. And we got the characters and we got to see their personalities, evil, wicked, twisted, right? But now I can, you know, further go in and pinpoint and, and describe Homelander. If I had to write an essay on him, I really could thoroughly describe him for better or for worse. And I think it's because he's doing such a good job on screen that I'm paying attention to him like that. So yeah, it's either Homelander or The Deep for me, but what about you? Well, see, it's funny because, well, I do think that Homelander is the best character that, that the boys has put forth. You know, I, I famously put Anthony Starr was my winner for this past year for the first ever Talking TV Award ceremony. You guys should go check that video out if you haven't yet. But my favorite character on the show still remains from last season, Black Noir. No question. That guy is the MV freaking P. Just like with no words, oh, with no words, just action. He is the biggest badass. He's got some of the funniest moments he's got some of the most unnaturally heartfelt moments and also some of the darkest but also most hilarious moments like just from they made the opening scene just him slicing and dicing through that terrorist camp that they built up to be oh so bad at the beginning of the season then with him just like with, 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 with the head and then trying to mess around with the little kid and the doll then with how he reacted to the compound v revelation oh, when man. he's crying in the hallway and then the little gesture at the end when he went all the superheroes next to the whale corpse and he just puts his hand on his heart like that i was like I can't. I can't. This guy's the best. I don't care. He has no words and he doesn't need to say them at all, which is funny because 
I'm almost going to be heartbroken if they do what they did with him in the comics for the show because I just feel like that's going to just like reveal so much. I'm not going to say what that is here because that's such a giant spoiler. I would not at all spoil that for any fans of the show, but no, Black Noir, no question. He's my favorite character on the whole show. I, that's a great no, choice. Like easily, easily. That is a fantastic know? choice. Yeah. So with that being said, people, thank you for once again tuning into yet another episode of Talking TV. We had a lot of fun. It, it was great doing a little bit of a hearkening back. It's crazy how... It's been, I think, just about a year since we put out that first episode covering season one. So Maybe a little shy, if anything, but not, not yeah. by too much. Yeah, but the good news is that unlike season one, we've got another five weeks of boys content until the finale. So while we will not be doing recaps of the show like we were doing currently with Lovecraft Country and a certain other Star Wars show that will be coming up, hint, <laughs> hint, nudge, alert. nudge, spoiler <laughs> alert, but, hey, I got, I got to start laying this the groundwork I'm early. It, but we we will be coming back in five weeks in order to cover the finale. And, oh, man, if that if, if these next five episodes are going to be anything like these yeah. first three episodes, we're in for a lot here. And, so, and, you know, cat's out of the bag right now. We're going to be bringing some boys of our own with us to cover this thing because, yes, yes, Jesus, we, are. we need to talk about this one oh, for man, a we, while. Yeah, we, we have, we have, we have we, we need to bring in some other people in order to talk about this. But once again, thanks for watching this video. We put out new content every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. If you guys like what you saw here, make sure to click that like button, that subscribe button, click the little bell next to it. That way you get notified every time we put up a new video. The graphic that I put up should be popping up right about now. Follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram at Talkin' TV or at Talkin' TV Podcast. No G in there at all. And Chris, do you have anything you want to leave the people with? Yeah, I just want to say we are covering Lovecraft Country, like you said, week to week, and we go live every Monday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time talking about the episode of the week, the monster of the week, if you will, in regards to Lovecraft Country. We have a, a ton of amazing content, as you can see right here on the screen. Dom recently went and saw Tenet in theaters. Be sure to go yes, and check out our review of Tenet. We recently covered Cobra Kai. We have a Karate Kid watch-along coming up Friday, September 18th, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where us and a bunch of panelists on YouTube will be talking about that movie, watching that film from front to back. Come hang out with us, guys. You know the deal. We do watch-alongs. We do solo content. We do short-form content. We do long-form content. We do... Coming up, we'll be doing some rankings, some tiers. We're always expanding. Yes, We're indeed. always growing. And you can find all of that right on screen. That's Talking TV on YouTube and you can find it all on Instagram and Facebook talking TV podcast talking spelled T-A-L-K-I-N no G and, and if you are new around here well there's one and only one way we end this show so I have to ask my main man Dom for the 51st time on the talking TV podcast Dom do you have a message to leave the people with here today I'm gonna do an Australian accent in order to mimic Butcher because you know he loves talking like this Watch more fucking movies, people. We out. Wow, that was really good. Yeah.